Welcome to You Wear It Well. Hi, I'm your host, Jeff Heiserman, physical therapist and founder and CEO of Spectrum Ergonomics and Occupational Health Services. We're at the intersection of fashion and technology, otherwise known as wearables. We look at the people, products, and research that make up this exciting world of wearables. Are you a fashion designer, electrical engineer, or someone with the dream of designing a wearable? Apply for membership to my LinkedIn group page, Biotech Fashion, and join in the discussion. Are you a startup? Wearable company? Don't know where quite to go from here? Well, you have the questions, and Spectrum Ergonomics has the answers. Go to our company website at www.spectrumergonomics.com and click on the link wearables. There you'll find a wide variety of services and other contractors that we work with to help make your product become a reality. We're here to help you through the process of iteration to packaging and beyond. Is there any future plans for the ring? Give us what we call biometrics, where it would pick up heart rate, where it could pick up blood pressure, th that kind of data as well, because there's a lot of that out there, Mike. There's loads of that. There's wristwatches out there. There's There are, seem to be everywhere. Are you going to want to move into that? Or are you going to say, hey, you know, let the wristwatches deal with that? I've got things that they're not doing. So do you have any plans for that, for being able to pick up biometrics? Okay. When I, I mentioned that I had IP, and it is very deep and very broad. I have three utility patents. Each one of them, they started out as one. Each one of them had to be expanded into its own patent. So there's three very broad and deep utility patents. That's why you haven't seen the big tech companies do this because they actually patented touchscreen technology on a ring, along with actually the way it's made. Almost every smart ring right now is, I shouldn't say almost every, the majority are violating my patents just in the way they're built. And then I have two design patents. So within those patents, this is Gen 1. And I've only talked about what it does so far. Now, Gen 2 is really, really cool. So right now, we have three capacitive discharge switches that are around what I call an iconic circle. A lot of people see this. First of all, they like it just as a ring because it, it's, it's no bigger than any fashion wedding band. Maybe a little bit, but not, not, not unwearably so. And this, I call an iconic circle, is actually, it's a charge point just because that's handy, because it's really easy to put it in the charger with that, but it is a locator. 
So you have this in your pocket. Like, let's just say you're a special ops guy. Let's just say you're a team of three and you're in an area. And I have a really good government image of this where there is a guy up on a van. He's got a bullhorn. He's surrounded by insurgent type people. And you have three special ops guys in there. These guys are having a total conversation with nobody knowing it. And how we do that is you have your, let's just say you put your cell phone. I mean, even in those crowds, they all have cell phones, but they're not using it when something like this is going on. So you have your cell phone, maybe your weapons in your back. So you got it in uh, under your scarf, let's say. In Gen 2, we surround that iconic circle like a clock face with capacitive discharge switches. So now you, I call it intuitive trace talking. So you end up spelling, just making A, B, C, over with that raised area in the middle. So you don't have to see it. You don't have to lose situational awareness. And once you, and this is why working with a smartphone is so cool. Because once you communicate that into your cell phone, now you can spread that out to like those three operators. Imagine the lethality of three operators in a crowd that have full communication. I don't care. There could be 200 people in that crowd and they're going to lose. I mean that when you have communication like that and also coming from 60 feet under the Pentagon somewhere where you have even more important information. I mean, this is really, really powerful. So you put in CAT and you can do it faster than you can talk. I mean, just think about it. When we talk, we're bringing air into our lungs. We're compressing our lungs. We're adjusting our vocal cords. We're adjusting our lips and our tongue. I mean, Mike, it took you two years to learn how to talk. You learn this in five minutes. So, because when you talk, you're only spelling out loud anyway. So this is so much more direct. It is actually neural. And you end up doing it subliminally. You don't even think about it. Like when I do, I I have been practicing, even though I don't have that version ready, the Gen 2 version, I practice it on my walks. And next thing you know, I'm talking about what's around me. I'm just, because I'm, I'm practicing like a song lyrics or something, how fast can I do it? I can end up doing it faster I can spell out with my thumb, which has pretty much identical uh, musculature to your tongue uh, for different reasons, but it's not hydraulic, you know, it's muscle and nerve. You can actually intuitive trace talk faster than you can talk. And it comes like right out of your brain. It's amazing. And so then you combine that with AR glasses and you put a, what we call a jet, jet HUD, uh, heads up display across the bottom in a, just a digital scrolling across the bottom. The same thing, I feel would happen. We haven't done those like waveguide type glasses yet, but I can tell you that uh, I would be highly surprised if that doesn't happen. So that's where you become, like my last submission to the X-Tech search for the army, I called it the metaverse soldier. So you get total immersion as a human being with the metaverse, with the, the computer. And you, there's no holes in your skin. Skin's a really good thing to keep germs out. And I recommend to people they keep it intact to the greatest extent.
they can. So this is something that we're using kind of a neural methodology to do an organic function. Well, what's going to become, it may not, singularity may not be organic now, but one day we're going to say it is. And so eventually just finalizing the, you know, bringing it full circle. What I patented in the Gen 3 is what I called biogeosignature. So if you choose, if you opted into this, you're going to have a record of where you go, what you, where you get your gas, where you get your groceries, your heart rate, your variable heart rate, your core body temperature. But we get this from the earpiece. You know, there's no place to get vitals that I know of non-invasively than the ear canal because you're like you're right inside the cranium. So you pick that up and it interacts with your ring. The ring acts as a node then sends it to your cell phone or smartphone rather or another computer and it, it completes a circle. So we have the ability to instead of having civilian or soldier looking down using their thumbs, totally oblivious to situational awareness. You know, how many times you drive by a school and these kids, they'll, they'll walk right out in front of you staring at their, and worse yet, they're taught to do it because it's a crosswalk, right? But I want them to have situational awareness. I want them to see where they're going because, hey, you get hit by a car. I don't care if you're in the right. You're, you just, you got a bad day. So that, I hope that answers that. Yeah, it goes right up to biogeosignature. That is you. It, your ring learns you over a period of time. I'm not sure if that's hours or days, but that is your biogeosignature. You should be able to do anything with that. And it's, don't forget, it slowly changes. Your EKG slowly changes. So it learns you and it changes with you and would be so difficult to defeat. But that's Gen 3. And when it comes to the waveguide AR glasses, like I'm talking about, or at least Jet HUD glasses, or the vital sign collecting earbud, well, that's when it comes to those, I'm open to open source on them. I don't need to own the world. I just want to bring this to first and foremost our warriors, you know, our country's warriors, and then to as many people that it does good as, as possible. You know, I was born on Nellis Air Force Base, you know, Area 51 in 1957. And Sputnik and every, you know, the whole Cold War thing was going on. And it, it, your place and your space has such a dramatic impact on the trajectory of your life. And that just started me off in that direction. And I, I, I think, too, with my dad being killed when I was like really, really young, I think that gives you another incentive. You're always trying to up your game to gain the approval. And I was lucky I picked up like mentors as I went. You know, I, I wear these dog tags. One is my dad's and one was uh, Colonel Warren Botts, who was uh, AV, with the AVG, the Flying Tiger. He was a huge mentor. I hope that answered your question about is there more planned? That's Yes. Very well said. I think people are coming to expect that more and more now. So I think if we can get a variety of biometric data collectors or biometric data analyzers, monitors that are out there, I think the better it is going to be for people because people may not want to wear a wristwatch. I don't wear one. 
So for me, if I was going to look for something on the market, like, well, I don't, I don't want a wristwatch. I don't wear it when I'm treating patients. I just don't wear one, period. So some, what else can I utilize? And so this is a, a really nice option for people as well uh, to be able to be monitored, so to speak, you know, self-monitoring, but they don't need to put another wristwatch on. They already have one for time, or they may have a, a wristwatch on because they like just a nice looking watch. You're a jeweler. I mean, you can appreciate that. But do they want to put another one on the other wrist? What are you starting to look like? Two wristwatches and how much more can you put on your body? So I think something small like the ring is an excellent idea. And then with the technology that you are moving forward with, with the next couple of generations, I think it's going to you know, be very well suited for people that are looking for something different, but also different in the fact that they can get more information and it can do more for them than just one thing. Because I think the one thing is kind of worn thin, if you know what I mean with the Apple wristwatch, you know, people think, oh, I can see how many steps I walked in the day, or I can do this, or I can do that. Well, now we want multifunctional wearables. And I think people are looking for that. And I think when you can satisfy that need, you have something very successful that will bring people to a place where you would hope they would be at, where they could, first of all, can they, how can they do more situational awareness? Like we don't want to walk in front of cars. <laughs> we don't, you know, so we need to, we want to drive our car, but I want to be aware of the road, but at the same time, I want to be able to answer a text as though the person is sitting next to me in the passenger seat, but yet I'm aware of the car in front of me is starting to slow down. So, you know, those are, those are life-saving features. You know, we yeah. stop and think about yeah. on that. I want to have you touch a little bit upon the interdisciplinary work. You talked about some electrical engineers, just briefly, who or what specialties did you include in, in this project of Musring? Electrical engineers, hardware designers, software designers, so that we can get a sense of just how global of a design team you need for something as simple as looking as a ring. The challenge of getting something product like this to this, not the finish line, the starting line. And first thing I did, smartest thing I did was reach out and get two partners one a major electronics kind of guru that all kinds of like original equipment electronics for cars and stuff like that but he in a coo capacity so he knows how to run a company the other one was a project manager for home medics and he was dealing with manufacturing up to like 29 electronics. I mean, he was re responsible for more earbud sales than any other human a number of years ago. You know, that was the first smartest thing I did. And then with that COO got me with his patent attorney, who just all of a sudden the doors just like, ah, you know, this heavens opened up and they could understand what I was saying instead of just stringing me along. And, and I can't, underestimate if it wasn't for that apple would already be beating us google meta micro i mean everybody would have whooped our butts by now all they're doing now if you look at any of the talk they're dancing around it they're doing everything but that and so let me circle back just a little bit because this leads into it, and i don't want to leave this part out when i talk about the ar glasses they are going to subsume the cell phone like right now I jump, I'll give you a perfect example. I jumped right over the whole watch thing. The watch takes two hands to control and you can't control it 
covertly. I mean, you got to have one hand just to hold it. I mean, imagine that. Yeah, you can have a watch that's made like a great piece of equipment, and that's a separate issue. It's a little machine that tells time. But when you're talking about something that you're wanting to interface with the metaverse or, or even just the internet, whatever, why do you need two hands to do that? Why do you have to look at it to do that? Why would you need that to tell time? I mean, you could swipe your ring and it's going to tell you in your butt, boom, this is what time it is. So in, in order to do that, though, you do need something in your ear, which is where we pick up real vitals, not what would you say, um, combobulated because we're getting the skin temperature on an extremity. I mean, that might sound good to say your core body temperature is whatever, but it's highly suspect. You know, you get the temperature inside your head. Well, that's your temperature. You may not like it, but that's your temperature. And same with, you know, the clarity of heart rate and the clarity of, of the information you, that you can pull out of that data set. The way we did it was those three things, the, the ring, the glasses, and the earbud, they can all act separately. If two of those go out, the third one's still going to work. And then you're not carrying around this. Our grandchildren are going to be calling a brick. They're going to say, did you really have to carry that thing around? Almost like back in 73 with Motorola and the, you know, that gigantic cell, not cell, but remote phone. That's how cell phones, and I give it only five years, and that's going to start to happen. So all of that, your glasses are going to subsume that, the cell phone. So then your glasses, just all kinds of stuff that happens then. Like you're in a medical business, you could have your light already in there. You could have your, uh, you know, your hands are free. You, you could communicate with your ring what you want done up there. You want to take a video, you want to take a photo, and all that would happen through your AR glasses. And then when you want to see something, like you want to see a website or some other information, because they're a type of, of glass that I always forget this word. Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's glass that you, you would project onto it what you would normally need a cell phone to see. And maybe you just want that in one lens. Maybe you don't want it in both lenses. Maybe you want it in one. Maybe you're actually stopped and sitting down and then so you can actually see it and you'll see it in much greater reality. You would see it in a 3D manner instead of just in a flat screen. But until then, I stayed away from the wrist mounted systems because they're too small. You can say, well, I have this watch and I don't really need my cell phone because it'll work you know, direct with the cell tower. As you get older, your eyes don't work that way. You know, that's not how it works. That's way too small. So until we jump to the AR glasses, which is going to make as if you had a big screen TV in front of you, but 3D. Until we do that, we need the cell phone with us. So I jumped over the wrist-mounted power consumption. This is much more green. We're using like the tiniest bit of energy. Like I said, in my carry charge device, that holds a month's worth of energy. If I put a a solar cell in the back of that and you would set it out when you had that opportunity to do that, you may never have to plug that in and charge it. I mean, there's just so many things that work together when you start making things smaller and lighter and you start getting better energy. And you don't have to rely as much on algorithms, but rather you can get better information 
and then use your algorithms to even get better. So you had the Pentagon, right? And over on one corner, you know, three or seven percent of people are wearing my devices. Now, they may or may not allow them in the Pentagon, but that's another story. So we're doing a heat map. And all of a sudden we see that their core body temperature is rising a quarter degree over two hours. Now, we got a problem. It might be a virus, maybe a chemical agent. It may be they're under arrest because they're under attack and we just don't know it yet. We want to be able to, and I've heard you talk about this before with, with your medical devices, that you want to be able to get to that patient even before they know there's a problem. And I want that for everybody, not just for patients. You know, I mean, there's no reason that, you know, you would have to exclude the person who actually just bought the thing, the kid who bought it because they love how it works with their music. You know, they love just having an earbud in or you could actually just put a hearing aid in. No one would really even see it. And you could listen to your music or whatever you wanted to all day long. You know, switch them back and forth as you charge them or what have you. That I wanted to make sure that you understood that that is where I feel we're going. We're going to have the AR glasses and they could be corrected or they might just self-correct, you know, and then some sort of your device and the ring as the interface node to tie it all together. But that each one of those will work separately. If you have a problem with one, you're not totally disconnected. And you don't have that now. What does Pew tell us? Every four days, people drop their phone at least two times. And that, that Pew Research, I mean, it's extremely, it's almost archaic already to me that we're carrying around these cell phones, that that's how exciting it is to be able to give them up, but have a better experience, a more green product. I mean, we're only talking little batteries here with rare metals that you have in a cell phone battery. Oh my gosh, we could probably make 50 or 75 of these rings. The sooner we can jump over with that miniaturization, I just have begun interacting. In fact, they had me pitch twice in the microelectronic commons. That's a White House initiative that was very quickly came out of the Inflation Reduction Act, believe it or not. But that came out of it. And so and it was so fun because I'm pitching and then somebody from Arkansas University is pitching and then somebody from Siemens is pitching. I I felt like a little speck amongst giants there, but they wanted me there for some reason. And I hope I did well for them. And now we'll continue. You know, they, that's about technology, microelectronics technology hubs. And so when you talk about how did I get started? Well, we started trying to get it made in the United States. And at that time, and if you recall your textile guys you had on, they said about how the new machines if they had them way back then, they would have been so much further advanced. They were weaving machines for their wearable cloth technology. At that time, you didn't have the populating machines as precise as what they are now. In other words, your circuit board populating machines. So anybody who could do that, we couldn't get them to work with us because we couldn't guarantee them millions up front. It just wasn't practical. It hadn't been built yet. You know, well, a handbill, but that, that doesn't count. So then we went to Singapore. We had very good success there. The government was pouring a lot of money into microelectronics. I'm, I hope I'm a really good person. And I know that, you know, I love the engineers and stuff. 
But my job was to keep after them and get the size down, get it thinner, get it more compact, get it more intuitive, more organic. I should be able to give this to somebody without instructions and they'll figure out most of it, maybe all of it, maybe better than I figured out. So that was, they finally said, hey, beat it. So, because I was just pressing them too hard. So then we went to a third unnamed country and that was really tough. I mean, it was great. I love the engineers, but I had to pull them, pull our technology out. It started right before, about a year ago. It wasn't too bad. But uh, anybody wants to ask me, I can tell you, talk about the ocean of death when you pull out of adversarial country. that sabotage you in many ways. So I would recommend to anybody, try and get it made here. Use the latest technology. It's available now. Well, Mike. Thank you very much. And you answered my final question. You went right into the, the new technology over the next five years. So, hey, that was great. Just kept it sailing along through there. Well, I, I want to thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing your experience and your future, which is right around the corner. And I think that's very, very exciting when we can see this kind of technology that's um, revolutionary and moving us to the next sphere. So I um, appreciate that. So, Again, keep me posted on all these things. You know, drop me an email. Let me know when version two comes out. Let's get you back on the show so we can let people know where version two's at as far as ready to come out. And you can give us maybe some sneak peeks on version three, maybe version four, maybe version five at that point. So again, thank you very much for being on the show. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Musering.com, M-U-S-E-R-I-N-G.com. Those will be in the liner notes on the show. When you get done listening to the show, folks, Go take a look at the liner notes because that information will be there. All right. Thanks again, Mike. Spectrum Ergonomics and Occupational Health Services provides a broad array of design and engineering professionals for your wearable project. We feature the following design specialties. Pattern making, digital textile, athletic wear, sensor, fashion, exoskeleton, robotics, and mechatronics. We also offer beta testing of your wearable in our private clinic. You choose the demographics and sample size, send us the sample, and we take care of the rest. For more information, go to www.spectrumergonomics.com for more information. Hey, if you're a startup wearable company and you'd like to be able to get your information on this podcast, please contact me at my company website, www.spectrumergonomics.com. I'd love to be able to feature a little bit about what you're doing to let the world know about your wearable. Well, thanks for joining me at the intersection of fashion and technology. And may you wear it well.